0: Dispatches, a production of Blurb Inc., is an in-depth look at those living artistic lives. Each episode will feature photographs and audio interviews with narrative pioneers who have taken creativity and publishing in their own hands. From artists to authors, photographers to philosophers, Dispatches will reveal the faces and foundations of those who lead the creative way. Hey everybody, this is Dan with Blurb. I'm in Santa Fe, New Mexico today with a special guest who's a photographer and an educator and an all-around well-liked individual in the community. Tony O'Brien, how are you doing today? I'm doing well, Dan.
1: Thank you very much for your kind words.
0: <laughs> I don't remember exactly where we met, but it had to be in Santa Fe. I don't, I don't think it's possible anywhere else.
1: No, it was in Santa Fe, and I believe it was through the workshops, if I'm okay. not mistaken.
0: That makes sense. The, uh, the infamous photo workshops here in town. So I have a variety of questions for you, 11 in total, and they are all over the map. So, But I'm, I'm going to go back in time here for a minute. I was reading about you the other day online, and I saw the, uh, the the roots, the origin is New York. New York. Is it New York City, or are you from New York State?
1: New York City, from the Bronx. Wow.
0: So how the hell does that happen, Bronx to Santa Fe? <laughs> I ask
1: myself that <laughs> <laughs> very often. Um, you know, I, it's... I think, like many things in my life, it's just things happen. Um, Did you
0: go to school in the East Coast?
1: I went to school actually um, in in the Midwest, uh, and then came out here to finish up school. Um, and my reason for coming to Santa Fe actually was, uh, you know, as I say, to finish school. But it was to be the the opportunity to be. For the first time in my life, west of the Mississippi uh, would give me access to Mexico, California, the Rockies. So Those I, I guess it, it played into my wanderlust. Uh, and then I woke up one day and I'd been here 10 years and I thought, oh my God, I live here. So. Yeah,
0: it's official. 10 years yeah. is, a good, is a good barrier. Uh, And did you, um, is the rest of your family back on the East Coast or did they migrate around?
1: No, actually I'm, I'm the last of my family, Uh, but my parents uh, were on the East Coast and then my mother came out here, oh, you know, the last few years of her life when I, just right after I got married and, uh, but there's nothing back there anymore just memories.
0: There's a bunch of people in some buildings. Yeah, yeah. old
1: friends and memories, some wonderful memories.
0: So if I ran into you on the street, and we're going to talk about what you're doing for for a living now in addition to photography a little bit later, but if I ran into you on the street and said, Tony, what do you do? How would you introduce yourself?
1: You know, that's an interesting question in that uh, it's a very simple one, but I think about it often. I'd probably say that I was a photographer. That's what I would say. And what does that
0: mean to you to be able to 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 be able to say that? For me, it's a sacred thing in the sense that if you make your living as a photographer, I would say, yes, I'm a photographer. Today, I don't. I work for Blurb full-time. And when people ask me what I do, I say I work for a publishing company. And one thing I've noticed is a lot of my friends will kind of cover for me in a weird way and say – oh, no, 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 he doesn't really work for the publishing company, he's really a photographer, mm-hmm. as if, you know, no, no. I, the, the hierarchy of, of lifestyles. and What does it mean to you?
1: No, because I, I, I know exactly what you're talking about because uh, I struggle sometimes. Am I a teacher? Is that what I am? Or am I still a photographer? And uh, I think the truth for me is that it, it's, it's how I see myself. That's who I am. I am a photographer. Uh, what what comes along with that, um, they're just wonderful pieces, but that's the, the real seed is the photography. In addition to the debt. You well, know there's always that, as I tell my young students. Uh, if you're doing <laughs> photography to get wealthy or make money, then you should marry a very wealthy man or a wealthy woman, and you'll have a wonderful life. Absolutely. But, um,
0: Where were you in this voyage when the camera and photography became reality?
1: I was in Italy. I was living in Florence. Uh, I was traveling. Uh, Sort of hitchhiking around Europe and North Africa, having no idea what I wanted to do with my life, and uh, I was living in Fiesole. And I met a young man by the name of Kirk Breedlove, who had gone to school in California, was an aspiring young photographer, had come back and he was on his way to Egypt to do photography. And as I say, I had no idea what I wanted to do. Um, I had graduated from school and it was one of those situations where you meet somebody and you become instant friends. I mean, but serious friends. And I hung out with him, walk, you know, went around with him when he was working, and thought, my God, what a wonderful, wonderful uh, uh, craft! What, a, what, what do you? What do you? And that's how it started. So you came
0: out here to New Mexico, and when you're in New Mexico, you started working for the press. You started working for newspapers.
1: Yeah, I um, actually. I got interested in photography through Kirk, and then I started making photographs. Came back to the States and thought, you know, I'd like to try to make it as a freelancer. And I was in Washington and, and uh, had no concept of what I was doing. And <laughs> realized this was not, this is bir- pretty big pond. And I had been here before, you know, I had been uh, living in Santa Fe before, and thought, well, if I go back to Santa Fe... Instead of being a you know, a little fish in a big, big pond, I could be a, a bigger fish in a smaller pond. And um, one thing led to another, as I say, I started freelancing, thought I could be a freelancer. And it was funny, the first person, my first real teacher was a young Japanese man who was a deaf mute. <laughs> and he had come to Santa Fe doing, uh, working on a photography project, and he sort of took me under his wing, and then uh, one day, uh, when I was tending bar, uh, Aha. Um, yeah, uh, the, it's another, a, job another job, uh, another <laughs> job, gets you through life, and, you know, I mean, it got me, wherever I went, I could find a job, usually, but, and a friend came in one night, and said, there's an opening at the New Mexican, and I told him about you, and they're expecting you tomorrow and i was like Whoa. oh my god and i was hired by this wonderful old uh, city editor former city editor from the new york post cigar smoking oh yeah uh, you know old old time newspaper editor john Bott. and it began and that's how it started a total fluke now you transitioned
0: from new mexico newspaper staffer to magazine freelancer and you've done work for life and time and newsweek and the new york times and back in the day not to date you or myself for that matter because it was the same when i was coming up a lot of times you started at a newspaper and you transitioned into doing magazine work is that what happened for you
1: yeah i mean i think that's what i you know i i'd always had that dream of working for magazines or a magazine me too and so I started with the newspaper and was working on newspapers for two or three years and then one thing led to another Uh, and then got involved with an agency back east and started slowly working for different magazines. It was and, Matrix, right? Yeah. <laughs> no, actually, it was Picture Group. Oh, I thought it was uh, Matrix. Did no, you ever work for Matrix? No, I didn't. Uh, I started with Picture Group. Picture Group, uh, all right. Um, and, and it was like many other things, living in Santa Fe when you're trying to make a living as a photographer. Uh, they were located in Providence, and it was a young, small, up-and-coming agency, and then started working for magazines. And as I say, one thing led to another.
0: And in addition to the magazine work, you've also done work for the Ford Foundation and the Pew Foundation. And my yeah. first question is, what does that actually mean? And how does work like that actually come about? Because I think today, because so much of the magazine world has been eroded and the newspaper world has been eroded. If When, when I came up in 92, you went to a newspaper, you learned, your, learned to do what you needed to do, and then you transitioned into the magazine world many of those paths are non-existent anymore. There, there are other paths that have emerged. Right. Um, but the, I think working for foundations or NGOs or this things was... like that, what does it mean and how does it actually come about?
1: Well, I mean, it, I think in various ways. For me, uh, I, the Ford, my connection with Ford Foundation was I worked for two magazines. We were funded by the Ford Foundation. And it was also when I was transitioning from newspaper work into the uh, freelance world. And of all things, the, the magazine was Corrections Magazine. And then we started another magazine called Police Magazine. And. What, what year is this? This was, oh, I'm trying to think now, probably. Did we have calendars? Then? Was, there, was, <laughs> it was, was there recorded time? Uh, let me I'm look kidding. at my I No, this was back in the probably late 70s. And I worked for Corrections for about eight years. Wow. Uh, and we just reported on, you know, I, the correction system in the United States and overseas. And so by that, uh, you know, by being with the Ford Foundation in a sense, we were, we were able to be totally objective. We weren't part of the correction system. We weren't part of the law enforcement system. But having the Ford, syst- the Ford Foundation behind us gave us incredible access And uh, it gave us a freedom to do some things that probably couldn't do otherwise. And how
0: important is that freedom?
1: It's hugely important. It's hugely important.
0: And were these like classic essays? Were you shooting black and white? You're shooting color.
1: Shooting black and white. Then we started doing color. Uh, And I was learning at the time. I mean, I was still learning as a photographer. I was self-taught. So you know, you're and you're constantly learning anyway. But and uh, I was able to be also very much a part of the whole process, not only shooting but uh, editing, uh, being involved in layout at times and, and discussions about photographs that were being used and that's rare that and is rare
0: and, and for people who don't, aren't maybe the uninitiated in that because I came up in the classic newspaper world where you came back from an assignment and you had an editor that you worked with right what what does that allow for what does that Help you with, or allow you to see.
1: It allows you to really have uh, a better understanding of what it is you're trying to do, what it is you're saying, Um, and
0: because one of the amazing things of today is you have access to the to the world via the internet. But a lot of times people are working in what I would call solitary. Situations where, like today, as a photographer, I can go out and do a project, I can publish my own magazine, I can lay it out, design it, print it, publish it, sell it, etc. But having a team around or an editor or someone that helps you understand. Um, Uh, relevance or uh, the context of where your work fits in I think is hugely important and it's kind of something that maybe is not disappearing but it's going away unless you have a traditional study in photography well I
1: think you know I think I agree with you totally and I do think in some ways it is going away that 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 opportunity except for a very very select few but at the same time I do think it's coming back Because I think with photography today, it's not only just photography, it's not only just the still image, it incorporates so many different facets, it incorporates audio, it incorporates video, the whole idea of storytelling. And I think what's happened is, yes, it's given, you know, with the digital age and technology, it's given the individual. So much more of a, once again, to have the opportunity to be involved in the whole process, if you you will. But also, I think now, the way things are being distributed and published and whatnot, there's more room now with two or three people working on a project and putting it together. And you have somebody doing the audio, you did this, that, research, whatever. And I think that's, what is enriching. And I think that's what being with the foundation, you know, the Ford Foundation through these magazines was for me. It allows you to be more creative, to 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 hone your your craft, and, and to really, um, yeah, be involved, I guess.
0: Okay, segue here. Uh, tell us a little bit about Light in the Desert, which is a pretty... <laughs> Pretty monumental project, and one, I'm guessing, that, that really uh, is a significant piece in your life as a photographer. But what is it, and how did it come about,
1: and what kind of time did you devote to this project? Um, well, it was, uh, it's a, uh, it was a project uh, about, uh, if, about uh, contemplative life, if you will. And um, um, there was a small monastery, Benedictine monastery in northern New Mexico uh, <clears throat> along the Chama River above Abiquiu. And I had a, a bit of a relationship with the monks. I had been up there a few times. And um, I wanted to do uh, work on a project, uh, as I say, looking at contemplative life. Um
0: what was it about that? Was it was it ever anything something that you thought about? Well, I following? yes it
1: was. It's probably always been on my mind. I went to a I grew up as a Catholic. I went to a um a high school, a Benedictine High School in Washington D.C. I'd always been sort of fascinated by monasticism and um if you will. Um And um, I had come back from Afghanistan. It was just a a particular period in my time when I was searching of what I'm going to be doing next. I mean, I think, too, that's the other thing about being a freelancer or a photographer. You know, you're always kind of reinventing yourself along the way. And um, so I pitched the idea to life, um, although I had worked on the story for a while. and uh, it's funny i in a sense the contemplative life but i had no idea really what i wanted to do
0: and you spent how long in the monastery and would you go for a few days at a time or yeah
1: so um uh i started and realized that i couldn't do it as a visitor as a guest that the only way i was going to do this story was being within the monastery, part of the community, and talked with the abbot, and you, you know, sometimes need to be careful of what you wish for, and he said, fine, (laughs) you've got your own choir seat, you've got your own cell, and you can be part of the community, and I was able to live the life.
0: Was there any stupid question because I don't know anything about that life but was there did you have dialogue with people was there no
1: it was talking? a community where there's very little little very little uh, talking
0: um, was that a good thing
1: it was a wonderful thing in some ways it's yeah. an incredibly difficult thing and so I uh, ended up going about one week to two weeks every month for a year and um it ties into things that had happened to me before, and uh, it probably it changed my life, and, and, and it also changed my photography.
0: Uh, and some of the things that you tied in before, would that be the Afghanistan?
1: Right. I had done, been doing a lot of work in Afghanistan and uh, had come back from Afghanistan.
0: Uh, Which was a pretty trying...
1: Yeah, I mean, there was uh, Afghanistan is a very strange place. But I had uh, had an experience in Afghanistan where I had been captured and thrown in prison, and that was another experience that probably had a grand effect on my life.
0: So, as a but, as, as an American kid and a photojournalism student, when it comes to maybe like top three worst case scenario situations, I would probably, in my mind, I would put an Afghan prison in the top three. And so, what it had to be a pretty trying experience. And what ultimately, what happened? You know, you know, in a um, nutshell.
1: You mean the circumstances? What happened? What happened? um, It was it was frightening, actually. Yeah. And you were Uh, shooting for a magazine. I was working. I was on assignment for Life magazine. And we were looking at. I was trying to look at uh, how the guerrillas were working in 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 Kabul, inside Kabul during this, this was during the Soviet era in 1989 Wow. and was sold out by one of the people that was in my group. Uh, there had been a bounty on journalists at that time from the government. and um, But I guess the experience, you know, I looked at my life and um, Probably 99.9% of what I thought was important was uh, probably bullshit. And uh, that was a bit shattering. Um, But it really forced me to question what I was doing, why I was doing it, how I was doing it. And by that, too, not only my personal life, but my professional life, everything. And um, so... uh, You know,
0: and you were eventually, and
1: then I was freed. freed. Uh, You know, the gods were very kind, uh, very, very kind. Um, And one of the things, too, that came out of it was I had no idea how much support I had, I had no idea uh, the support of my colleagues. Uh, It was overwhelming for me. Um, you know, it's. Uh, but
0: that had that had to be a nice feeling. And did you realize this? You had this support was while a, you were was inside.
1: A, had no idea, none. Because uh, you were isolated. It was and... totally isolated. But um, no, it was huge. Um, you know, it almost makes you feel guilty in that. You know, do oh. I deserve that? Um, but. Um, and so, for me, I, this is not for anybody else, I, you know, I, I'm not speaking for anyone, but for me, what really became apparent was that probably, you know, not probably, the most important thing in life was family, But and uh, whether it be two or three friends, you can count on one hand, or, you know, parents, or sisters, brothers, whatever, but, um, and so, things shifted, um, and uh, eventually, I got married, um, and then got. Uh, that's when the uh, I had the idea of doing the work at the monastery.
0: Now, And after you, the monastery was complete. And how long did you spend? About a year.
1: A year, and. Um, once again, it was almost like being in prison. I mean, monastic life is <laughs> it's the same thing. I had my, my cell in Kabul, although I had it with another person who was a remarkable man, um, was 10 by 8. My cell at the monastery was 10 by 8. And you're cut off from the world in many ways, not necessarily for the same reasons. But, um, but the experience at the monastery was... You know, as a journalist, you're always chasing, you're always trying to get the photograph. You're always chasing the photograph, chasing the photograph even if you're working on a long-term project. It's tra-da-da-da. and it's where I really learned to slow down, to keep it simple. And the realization the photograph will come to you. It will always come. It's there. Just be patient. Watch, look. That's what it is. That's what you do. How soon
0: after being freed did you start the monastery project and what was It was it?
1: about a, you know, eighty nine? It was a number of years, actually. And was uh, there any the first And time- I didn't realize it, but it was almost like closing the chapter on that whole experience in prison. And I didn't totally realize that.
0: Did did it how did it feel to walk into the monastery cell? Was there any sort of flashback or did it did it remind you of anything? And was there any parallel running between walking in there for the first time and being put in the Afghan prison? Well,
1: I think if there was a parallel, it was um, this idea that um, if there was a parallel, I wasn't. I don't think it was walking into the cell or my cell at the monastery, but it was that whole thing of. You spend a great deal of time just with yourself, alone, looking within. And that's not an easy thing sometimes. You can't hide from yourself. And I think that was probably some of the, uh, of um, you know, what was similar to when I was first in prison. You're just looking within. And it's you, it's time to pay attention i guess i don't know
0: you know and recently you returned to afghanistan yeah and you did a book called afghan dreams really,
1: yeah what was it like going back you know um it's always good to go back actually uh afghanistan has become part of my life it's a piece of me it's it's just it is also um My cellmate, I go back to try to visit him, uh, who's probably still alive. alive. Um, But it's also difficult to go back to see what's happening and how things don't change. And uh, I remember when I went back in 2007 to do the book, uh, Afghan Dreams, we had just invaded Afghanistan. And there was a hope. You could feel it. You could see it amongst the people. Um, but it's gone now, and it's too bad.
0: Well, um, and this week marked the end, official end, the last day of the 13-year right. Afghan war was earlier this week, right. or late last week.
1: Right. Um,
0: it doesn't seem like—it it seems as splintered today as, as it's ever ever been,
1: unfortunately. Unfortunately, it is. It's, we don't necessarily learn from history. Uh, I don't know what could have been done differently. Some many things, but uh, yeah, it's and, it's too bad.
0: And you also think you maybe there's one more trip in you need to go back there.
1: I'd like to very much. Uh, and actually, you know, it would be to, more than anything just to see my cellmate. Uh, yeah, uh, a very very amazing man. And um, and also just to be part of the country and and to see things and to touch base with some other people. I mean, I, yeah.
0: It's, More so uh, than to go back and make a photo essay.
1: Well, um, you know, I don't, I might do that. Um, but I think doing the children's book uh, for me was the, 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 the end in a sense. Uh, okay. It's not that I wouldn't go back and do some things or different things, but that was sort of a dream come true. Um,
0: you could do a selfie project, right?
1: <laughs> but um, yeah.
0: So let's let's fast forward to today. In addition to being a photographer, you're also uh, an educator. You've, you're actually the chair of the photography department at the School of Visual Arts you're here, the director. and yeah. the director of the School of Visual Arts here in uh, in Santa Fe. That's a pretty big responsibility.
1: Um, yeah, it is. Uh, but it's a wonderful uh, responsibility. I don't know if I, I. I do feel that it is a responsibility. But it's also quite wonderful to be able to be sti- to be able to be still involved in photography, and to be involved at a time when so many things are changing. And I think it's at an uh, just this although it can be a, you know it's a scary time in in some ways and nobody knows really what's what's going to happen is teaching
0: but, as hard as it seems cuz you hear i uh, every time i talk to an instructor there's it's the yin and yang it's the it's the best thing i've ever done and it's also the most amount of work
1: it's a huge yeah i mean it's a lot of work but i think it's a lot of emotional work uh, i think more than anything uh you know um Yes, Uh, these people are (laughs) short answer. Yes. uh, But it's uh, because these are young people who want to learn, uh, who are chasing their dreams. And uh, you got to make sure, I think, you know, to help them on their way, but not to get in their way. And so, on the one hand, it's hard because, you you know, they become part of you, uh, and you feel so responsible. But on the other hand, the gifts that you're given, and then to be able to be a p- part of that age where the world is yours. Uh, oh.
0: With 2014, you hear a lot about the creative industries being under attack, basically, uh, being eroded uh, all across the board design illustration graphic design photography etc and certain people say well then well, why would you even teach people these things and and I feel that creatives have a responsibility in the world to make not to make but to allow people to see things in a very different way and I think that there is literally a responsibility that if you're an artist or you're a photographer or whatever that it's your job to go out and to help make people see the world in a different way how do you feel about that because obviously photography let's say from the time that you came up and then the, t- the time that I came up and the t- and the current time it's a very very different field and in some ways there are more opportunities In other ways those the opportunities that you and I had are probably gone so how do you feel about that
1: that's a that's the c- continuing question um Oh, uh...
0: I'm long-winded. Uh,
1: no, no, not at all. I mean, I totally agree. I, I question it quite often. I question what I do teaching photography and what's this doing for a young person. But at the same time, I mean, photography has changed. It's, it's totally different. It's not as... It's, uh, I was fortunate enough to be able to walk, to ride the, the, the end of the wave of photography when it was at its pinnacle, photojournalism, we'll say. And, um, but at the same time I think it's still there it's just in a different form mm-hmm. and I, I think today a young person we're talk- we've talked about this earlier you can be so much more part of the direction that you're trying to go into and be part of the process um, you know you, the, you don't go You don't, Time magazine is not necessarily the answer but the internet What's going on on the internet, there's lots of answers there. There's lots of answers. The other piece to this is, this is a time where nobody knows where it's going. And to be part of that, and to be involved in that, oh my God. And the idea, you know, know, I hear all these things, oh, there's millions of photos, there's millions of photographs. Let me tell you something. When you see a photograph in a certain context, and it's a good photograph, and it speaks... It's going to talk to everybody. It's going to stop everybody. Whether it's for a second, whatever it may be. And so I think the potential is greater than when I was a photographer. I I found myself for a while just being in a little, you know, found the formula. Wow, I got it. (laughs) Do this vertical. That'll fit there. Yada. But now you're, you're creating your your world all the time. Sure. Uh, I mean, it's, it's scary, but... And then it's just also, as a young photographer, I mean, photography is about looking at the world in any way you want to do it. And, no, it's great. And I also think, too... Um, One of the things that art, in teaching art, and I, not that I teach art per se, but you know I work at an art school, and this, we have these discussions of the arts. It's really change comes through the arts. That's how change comes, and also, um, when I think when a young person graduates from our school uh, and from pho- in the photography department they have an incredible knowledge of the craft of what they're working with how to do it but also just a better sense of who they are as a human being and as an individual and if you have that and you step out in the world you're you're so far ahead of so many people and it's important because that's what photography as we try to stay, especially in photojournalism and documentary photography, you try to be objective. But it's what's inside of you that's coming out. And
0: Where do you find uh, inspiration today? So let's, let's say going back to your, the beginning of your career, who were some of the photographers that, were, that first came on your radar? And then today, whether it be photography or your family, where, where do you find inspiration
1: today? um oh then i you know it was some of the old uh the photographers the icons bresson uh, you know maidens uh gordon parks to me phew, a renaissance man yeah um today i think it's interesting i don't think there are there are a few photographers that are really your iconic photographers uh, a noctue, a salgado, at least in, you know, in the Mm -hmm. Western world. Yeah. But, um, I think, uh, today,
0: uh... I mean, when you're walking, do you, do you feel the need to walk around with a camera these days or do you wait until you're inspired and then dive into a project?
1: For a long time, I would only, I would uh, usually just photograph when I was involved in a project or I was working. Uh, And as a young photographer, I mean, I was working every day. I mean, I had a camera with me every, all the time, uh, making photographs. Now, um, I guess with the iPhone, I make photographs daily, but I... I'm always seeing photographs, I'm always looking, I'm always seeing things uh, and so uh, and, and I'm at a different place now, I, I uh, you know, you go through so many different stages. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, my hope is uh, that usually that I could work on one project a year uh, sort of last year, or two years ago, I was in Jordan working with the Syrian refugees and uh, with a relief organization. And I'd like to be able to do that, um, create internships for students. Uh, but uh, my whole approach to photography is different. Sure. It, it's just, and I don't know why. And it's, it's.
0: Well, I think, like you said, everybody. Everybody evolves. Everybody. These are all different chapters, and you're just on the you're on the current yeah. chapter.
1: And I am trying to figure out what photography means to me. But uh, fame. <laughs> 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 yes, and and fortune. No fame. No. I'm. Uh, I feel I've been so blessed. I've been. Uh, you know, I'm 69 years old or 68 years old. And
0: you look like you're about 40. Yeah,
1: well, you should be on the inside looking out, but thank you. <laughs> uh, but I'm still involved with photography. <sighs> how? Yeah. And that's like you said, uh, you, do I, did, how did I get to wherever? Uh, I sometimes stop and think, you know, I was this young kid growing up in the Bronx, didn't know anything in this little Italian neighborhood. I mean, the gods have been very kind to me.
0: My last question for you is: What's the one thing that you don't have that you wish you had? And now that can be anything. It can be a lens. It can be time. It can be who knows? Uh, a quadraphonic blaupunkt for your car. What? Whatever. <laughs> Could be money. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> I I know how I would answer this question. And it's a word that we used about 20 minutes ago. It starts with an F and it's, um, do you want me to give you a hint or, you know, yeah, freedom, you, yeah. freedom, because freedom to me is the freedom to make and do whatever. And I am constantly wanting to make things. And a lot of time the restrictions are time and resources.
1: Yeah, I freedom. Yes, for sure. But I guess for me now, it's getting to be a bit maybe time. Um, and uh, that's two things. So. That's all right.
0: Hit me. What is trust? It? Trust in
1: just in In life. general. Yeah, in life.
0: That's interesting. You're the first person to ever answer with that response. That's interesting. You got me thinking now. (laughs) That's Um, that's good.
1: As I've said, I I never felt that I was on a straight path. (laughs) I bungled into things. Things happened. Some good, some bad. Many, many good things. Great fortunes. Not whatever, but um, yeah, trust
0: trust in time I love it I could talk to you all day but uh, <laughs> if I do any longer recordings literally they're gonna they're, I think the uh, yeah, the, the FCC is gonna shut me down
1: well no I thank you actually uh, I'm sorry I yeah you never know what's happening I but you've, you've allowed me to stop and do some thinking again and it's important I, I need to do that now
0: so maybe yeah. we do this again next like summer. to yeah
1: no, I would. Um it's as I say, it's at a time in my life where uh when <laughs> when they asked me, you know, if I wanted to be the director of the program, it was quite funny. Um and we of course we're going back and forth It's about da 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 and and I think at one at one point they said, Well, you know, and this would be great for your resume and I was like, You don't understand <laughs> <laughs> this is it. I, I don't need a resume. <laughs> and it has nothing to do with my, my talents or anything. There's no more after this. So, this is the final stop. This is it. So, uh, but anyway, thank you, Dan, very much. Of course. And I, w- I hope uh, that this
0: is a, a long, lingering last stop. I have a feeling it will be. So I hope so.
1: I, I think it's going to be fun.
0: Thanks for taking the time no. to, uh, to talk with us.
1: Thank you for the
0: interest. Dispatches, a production of Blurbank, is an in-depth look at those living artistic lives. Each episode will feature photographs and audio interviews with narrative pioneers who have taken creativity and publishing in their own hands. From artists to authors, photographers to philosophers, Dispatches will reveal the faces and foundations of those who lead the creative way.